probably no word has been more um, misused, abused, confused, and trivialized in the English language than the word love. The music industry has given us a multitude of songs about falling in love, or being in love, staying in love, losing in love, getting out of love, losing the truck that you love, or whatever it might be. And this Christmas, I think we need just to state that we need to reclaim the word love. Because love is a Christian word. Love is a word belongs to us. We don't hold it tightly, but especially this Christmas season. Because if we were to grasp again its real message from Bethlehem, it is really about the love of God doing its best work. Love is at the heart of Christianity. And the Bible makes this really just a few simple statements about who God is, His nature. It says too that God is light. It says that God is spirit. And it says that God is love. If you were to follow a thread from Bethlehem, you would find it went all the way back to the heart of God. And that is a heart that beats with love for us. Jesus, born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, is the story of the love of God made visible. That's what the word incarnate means. It makes flesh. The nature of God became tangible and concrete in the person of Jesus. It has nothing to do with cheap sentimentalism or mushy emotion. Love is a pulsating moral force compounded of mercy and holiness compassion and righteousness, strength and tenderness. So in a culture today that has abused love so badly, beaten it out of shape so seriously, made it almost unrecognizable, God tells us to live in love. Because He is love. What does that mean for us? Let me give you this morning, as I often call them, just five headings. There's no PowerPoint. You just got to remember them. Five headings. Or write them down. Whatever it might be. To love is, first of all, to feel. Now, I know it's often said, there were posters some years ago that said, love is not a feeling. That's true. But let me say to you this morning that if we have to start loving the way God loved, first of all, we have to feel. The opposite of love is not hatred. The opposite of love is apathy. When we just don't care. We just don't feel anything. We just say, whatever. Who cares? But when we feel someone's hurt, someone's pain, and when we do that, we're at the starting place of love. When Jesus walked the earth, he was friends with one particular family. The home was a place maybe where he could go and kick up his sandals and put his feet up and relax. Mary and Martha and Lazarus. That was their home. Jesus felt just at home in that kind of place. And then one day the sisters called Lazarus, called Jesus to say that Lazarus, the brother, had died. And it says in the Bible that Jesus was moved with grief. And that is a word in the Gospel of John that is one of the strongest words to express emotion to us. Since when Jesus was moved in his very gut, as it were, for his love for Lazarus. He loved Lazarus and he felt his death at the very depths of his soul. He just didn't say, oh well, whatever. There goes another one. When the Bible says God so loved the world, that's not just a theological statement. It is a statement, first of all, about how God felt towards us. So love is to feel. Secondly, love is to listen. 
felt inside my life that there's two kinds of silence you can be part of. There's that very toxic silence in which resentment grows. Sometimes between a husband and a wife. Remember a little skit with Pastor Cindy a couple of weeks ago. What's wrong, dear? Nothing. You can be in the same house. You can be in the same bed. But it's that deadly kind of silence in which anger and pain grows. And then there's a kind of silence that's creative. No one needs to really say very much or anything. But there's health. And in that kind of silence, you know, it allows us to listen to the other person's heart. What they're feeling. One of the ways that we can respect people the most is to listen to them. You know that? We respect people the most when we just slow down and stop and listen to them. I remember a long time ago, our daughter Jennifer, um, she turned 35 on Friday, so she's not a little girl anymore. But when she was a little girl, um, Jennifer's the third of our children. We had two boys, and then we had Jennifer. And Jennifer was born with a cleft palate, which means the back of her mouth is all kind of messed up, and she needs lots of plastic surgery and, and all kinds of stuff and so on and so forth. Um, but Jennifer loved to talk. The problem was we couldn't understand what she was saying. Because her mouth kind of all wasn't right in the inside. Um, but Jennifer talked and talked and talked. And all through supper, Jennifer would talk. Uh, one of the phrases we really didn't allow our children to say to each other was shut up. We didn't think that was polite. But then again, the boys at supper time would turn around and say to her, Jennifer. And one day I remember, it was a long time ago, but I still remember Jennifer was yattering on through supper and trying to tell me something about her day. And then this little tyke realized that I really wasn't listening to a word she was saying. And she stopped. And she took her hands. And she took my hands in her face like this. And she turned my face towards her. And she said, Daddy, you're not listening to me. I think sometimes we could do that with each other as adults, if we're real honest. We could take someone's face and we could say, you're not listening to me. Imagine if we did that. Most of the time, most of the time, we're often not listening to people. We're just waiting for our turn to speak. Do you know that one of the basic acts of love we can extend to a person is to listen to them? To really listen to them. To their words, but to listen also to their heart and what they're really saying. In that intimate kind of silence, love is born and love can grow. This week, particularly through this Christmas week, husbands and wives and parents and children and friends and family, whatever. Make it an exercise. Make it a discipline to listen to what the other person is saying. You're starting then to love them. Thirdly, the love is to speak. If love is created and born in silence, love has to become a word. You remember the... Um, 
the, the movie from some time ago. Um, some of the older people might remember Fiddler on the Roof. If I were a rich man. Okay, I'm not. Um, Do you love me? Tevye the milkman asked his wife and Fiddler on the Roof. Do you love me? And the bewildered wife replies, I cook your meals. I wash your clothes. I bear your children. What do you mean? Do I love you? But to love is to speak. When someone asks, do you love me? It's because their heart at that moment is dry and parched and they need a word of affirmation. Affirmation is the foundation of human confidence from which each one of us step out each day. Most of us, all of us, are painfully aware of our faults and failings. You know, we don't need other people to tell us where we've gone wrong. I think often we've become a society of nitpickers. We just point out, and we sometimes love to point other people's faults and feelings. You did this wrong. You did that wrong. There's another thing you did wrong. Were you late for church? And so we go down the list. And we get some great delight in just saying, you know, you could have done better than that. That really wasn't very good. But instead, love can become words that breathe life and health. You know, God used words to communicate from heaven how he felt about his beloved son. And when Jesus was baptized at the beginning of his ministry, and by the way, young people, young adults, I think the steps that you took and the words you shared this morning were tremendous. Thank you for each one of you. I think you make a great step forward. And something that God sees and God affirms and God applauds because he did that when his own son was baptized. Remember what Jesus said from heaven when Jesus, sorry, what God said from heaven when Jesus was baptized. He said, this is my beloved son. I am well pleased with him. He's saying, I affirm, I applaud what he did. I read somewhere that when we get one word in our lives in a day that's negative, a word that puts us down, a word that criticizes, a word that's sarcastic, when we get one of those in a day, we need seven words of affirmation that will undo the damage and the hurt to our soul that's inflicted by that one negative word. So if you give out one critical word to somebody, they're going to need seven words of affirmation. That means words of encouragement, words of appreciation, words of thankfulness, words of gratitude, words of affection. They're going to need seven of those to counteract that one word that you use just to slay them. So let's not use those words they criticize. Because to love is to speak. Love become a word. When did you last tell your spouse that you loved them, really loved them, and appreciated all that they do? When did you last hug your kids and say that you love them, even if they're bigger than you are? My two boys are now way bigger than I am. But Christmas Day, when we get together, I will give them a hug. And tell them I love them. I might embarrass them a little bit. But do it to your children. Don't worry about the embarrassment. Give them a hug. Tell them you love them. I'm not sure at times what holds us back from doing this, but love is being denied. My sense is that each one of us in our households needs to tell our spouses and our children and children to tell your parents, I love you. Much more often than we really do. To love is to tell is to put the words and is to put the thoughts of the heart into words. 
Look forward to love is to respond. When we see the need, when we feel some pain, we may even talk about it, but love, God's agape kind of love, that unique biblical word for the love of God, it takes it to the next step. It simply doesn't see it and feel it and talk about it. It responds and it does something about it. We're told love is a verb. That means love has to become action. It must be more than words. It must become a deed. For God so loved the world that he gave. That was his response. First John says to us, let's not love just in words or in tongue. In other words, not just say, oh, I love you and I care about you. But John says, in action and in truth. Love is hearing the need of a person and a family and saying, how can we respond to that? How can we do something about that? And last of all, to love is to take the initiative. You see, there's a step beyond responding. There's a step beyond merely doing. It calls for more than just seeing the need and then taking action. Love, God's kind of love, takes the initiative to make the first step. To make the first move. Love does not wait. And we need to learn that from God. It says several times in the Bible that God first loved us. That means he was willing to step out of heaven. He was willing to step into Bethlehem. He was willing to step into the world. He was willing to step into our lives. That's taking the initiative. I think often we find ourselves saying, you know, I would have been happy to respond. I would have been happy to help there if somebody just had asked me. Well, that may be true. But God's agape kind of love in us does not wait to be asked. It senses the need, and it takes the first step. Now, that's a risk. We might be refused. We can be rejected. We might be told it's none of your business. And that's true. But God risked that same kind of pain when he sent his son into the world. He faced a very real kind of rejection and misunderstanding as a potential. All of this and so much more is modeled for us by the love of God in Christ. God took a great risk stepping into the muddle and the mess of our humanity. That is the heart of the Christmas story. And so this morning, and maybe in your homes, at supper time tonight or whenever you gather, lighting this candle of love is not just some kind of nice Christian sentiment. It is saying, as God stepped into our world, And as God has stepped into our lives to love us, feeling, sensing our pain, listening to us, the word being spoken, responding and then taking that first step, as God did all of this, so we will light a candle of love in our hearts this year. And we will continue the thread of love which was started at Bethlehem. Please pray with me. So, Father, it has to be more than just sentiment that we light a candle this year. It has to become a word spoken, a response made, a first move initiated. Because that is what you have done. And that is what you teach us, because your love, and you have implanted and impregnated your love into us, in Jesus. Amen.